Welcome, everyone, to the Return to the Knicks podcast. Tonight, the New York, we'll discuss the New York's 120-105 to loss in Toronto. We'll get some reaction. I'm going to be joined by Chef Dan, the one and only from the Return to the Knicks podcast. And let's get going. Good evening, everyone. Welcome to the Return of the Knicks podcast. I am BX Sports Jedi Kev. Join with me with my co-host, my partner, on the watch-alongs and on the host of MMA Combat Sport Weekly with Austin and Chef Dan. Chef Dan, good evening. How is your holiday going? Uh, it's going great so far. Got a nice uh, couple of days off, so I'm cleaning, taking care of my dogs, lounging around and watching these Knicks, but... The last part hasn't been so joyful. Well, speaking of the New York Knicks, before we get going and breaking things down, courtesy of the MSG Network, we'll, we'll have, we could hear from what the coach has to say tonight. So let's add the coach. Let's hear the stream. And this is from Tom Thibodeau's press conference earlier this, this right after they lost um, the New York Knicks. So let's hear from Coach Thibodeau. Uh, just, I guess, um, you had talked earlier about, you know, going small and you'd hope to speed things up a little. And it looked like maybe that didn't come come through right away. Just kind of what you saw early on from that group. Well, just going into the game, when you're shorthanded, you, you, your margin of error is small. And so we, where we wanted the focus to be is on the defense, the rebounding, and keeping turnovers down. And I thought the, the big thing was the rebounding. So we were badly out-rebounded. And then... Uh, they do a good job of coming after the ball, so you got to trust the pass. And when we did that, I thought we got really good shots. And when we didn't, we turned it over, and that's you know that that's a problem. So, uh, but overall, the, the, I thought you know some guys stepped up and, and played good. But you're shorthanded, margin of error is small, and we didn't get it done. Fred Katz. Hey Tom. Um, Hold McBride about five minutes in, and then you uh, you replaced him with Burks for the start of the second half. Was curious what went into that decision. Yeah, just the way the game was going, felt we you know we probably needed a little more offense to try to get things going, and uh, you know so we went back and forth uh, with that before the game, and then we knew we could we were going to have to mix and match. We were hoping to find a you know some rhythm with you know with with one group and. We never really got there. Roman? Yeah, it looked like Van Vliet really took off in that third quarter with Miles on the bench. I mean, what what was the uh, the problem with uh, containing uh, Van Vliet? Yeah, I mean, he's he's a heck of a player. <laughs> so that's uh, you know he's he's a tough cover. Uh, he's going to make you pay for mistakes. Uh, and, and he did, and some of them were challenged well, but you know, other ones uh, weren't. Um, and, and like I said, the big thing is you, you can't give them easy buckets. You know, so uh, we gave them, you know, points off our turnovers. We gave them second shots, 
And when you do that, they, they get, they're going to get into a rhythm. And so, um, you know, like, like I said, the, your margin error is small, but you got to play with great intensity. And if our defense and our rebounding is good, you're going to have a chance. You're muted. Uh, oh, we, that, we, we put that hole there from Coach Thibodeau there at a moment there. Um, we heard him speak about being on rebound. And what a silly question by, you know, from the New York Post about Van Van Peek, you know, what happened there. You know, he's a good player. You know, he, he, he hits him. He got going, got into the paint, no rim protection. You know, and that was a doofy question. Who, who wrote? Who, who was that? Berman? Oh, God. You know, my goodness. You know, Captain Obvious. You know, could you ask a question? What are you going to do to to help with the rebounding? And hopefully, we'll add, we'll find out more of the uh, of the uh, questions asked later on in the conversation. But you know, the Knicks showed it showed tonight the lack of rebounding. First and foremost, you know, allow like Kibito said, Van Fleet to get second opportunity shots, which he hit some threes and in transition, turning the ball over and not establishing themselves. And this is a team that cannot play mistake basketball they can they have to be mistake free if they play one type of mistakes they get paid on turnover chef then i agree with that 100 percent. especially with uh covid racking certain players other players out due to rest and injury and things of that nature it the way we played tonight it was several pivotal moments that uh where we needed uh just we, we, we're in transition and we're, we have miscues because someone's trying to make a pass and they misread it wrong and then some uh, uh, Toronto Raptor ends up with the ball. There's miscues in transitional defense where I saw someone running down the lane and uh, running down the lane to get a dunk, Ken Birch, I believe, and then immediately RJ, uh, you know, who's the nearest person, is talking to Obi about it. It... You know, they, these breakdowns can't happen. And so now the it comes to, you know, doing the basics right. Constant communication, you know, know your player, know your role, knowing where everyone is on the court. And that goes into communicating, and we weren't doing that tonight. Right, and I'm glad you mentioned that play between Obi Toppin and and, and uh, R.J. Barrett. I know Obi wanted uh, – I know R.J. Barrett wanted Obi to rotate into the paint, but Obi was, was – closing out on the wing defender and stopping the three ball you know i think he was trying to say i think rj strong enough to take on a one-on-one um driver down the lane then and because what they're going to end up doing is kicking the ball out for wide open three in transition and i think that's what burns Thibodeau more i think that gets that's how you get into Thibodeau's doghouse and trust me obi does i'm not saying obi's in Thibodeau's doghouse it hasn't been either but when he knows that he can, he has no luxury to make mistakes and he does want to play on the floor, he's trying to be as perfect as possible to play and, and knows what the coaches want. And he's not going to let that wide-open three defender come down the wing and shoot. So look for that. Hopefully um, the coaching staff will look and film, correct that, and, and address whose man or whose responsibility and hold accountable you know and i like that fact that they're trying to communicate and trying to trying to figure it out on the floor and it wasn't demonstratory um chef dan it was just a regular conversation hey, and, and i like that that was good that's you know that was a way of addressing it and i thought 
personally, I thought the defense was going to be much more up to par, more rotating because there was only a thousand fans in the stands. You could hear each other communicate. You know, like last year, you know, when they had two thousand fans and so forth, you could hear the guy speaking on the floor, Bullock. You could hear the, uh, um, you know, everyone. Hey, rotate, switch. Or there was a certain word, a phrase that they knew where to be and. We didn't see that this much this game, although I couldn't have the audio sound due to the fact that, you know, I, we do do here on the Return of the Knicks podcast, those that are listening to us on the audio platform, we do a um, live watch along and play by play on the YouTube network. You know, follow us, check it out. It's on BX Sports Jedi Network YouTube channel and you watch out, hit that subscribe notification. And if you guys are, you have YouTube or Twitch or, or Rumba, um, especially YouTube, we do live play by play. Yeah, most definitely. You could join us, uh, you know, call the game and we'll discuss certain aspects that are going live in game. And so that's why there are certain moments to us that are really impactful. Those, you know, those moments, we remember them because we feel like those moments dictate how the game goes and how the game could have potentially gone. Um, But going right back to what you said, uh, as far as, you know, those pivotal moments and even that uh, moment right there between RJ and Obi. I know you said uh, Obi's not in uh, Thibodeau's doghouse, but for the rest of that game, RJ Barrett did end up in Thibodeau's doghouse because the defense was lackadaisical from RJ tonight. It was it was very bad, and I know offensively he was looking to get going, but that's no excuse for some of the things that was going on on a defensive end. And that moment right there, that was a tell that was a to- telling moment right there because R.J. easily could have at uh, you know you you give an attempt. That's all you can ask for. That's all the coach can ask for. If you have someone covering the uh, corner uh, three, and you're right there at the rim. All the only thing the coach can ask for is that you give an intent, and he didn't do that right there, and that was a pivotal moment. Right, right, and good, good, good breakdown because I actually didn't really capture the fact that you're correct. He was a little bit for for Coach Thibodeau's doghouse. You're right, and, and that that shows there that RJ needed to uh, contest that shooter and stop that shooter, and that was his man, you know. And that's how you escalate uh, without. That's how you stop an, an escalation of, of, a, of a disagreement on the court, whatever, by the way he's, you know, dressed it. He sat him down, and then he'll probably talk it behind the post game. Say, listen, this is the reason why you sat, because I'm so forth. They'll break that down in film, you know. And, and it just, look, Chef Dan, what happened on the floor, they just played it. They just didn't have the right talent. They were, you know, you lose your top three top three players on your team. No, no Julius Randle, no Kemba Walker, no Derrick Rose. That's a tough task, you know. Everybody gets to move up a, 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 a couple slots in the in the in the Todd pole, but in the totem pole. But now you're moving three, not just one, not next guy up. Now it's next three leaps up, and some of these guys are not there yet to handle the leap. Not even just one, but now three leaps up because every you know, God bless Alec Burks who played well, and you saw Thibodeau said that he went with Burks in the second half early because he wanted more scoring, and he wanted, you know, a little bit of a jump start there. Um, you know, Burks, after coming off that 30-34 point game, last game, I understand, you know, I understand what he wanted to try to invigorate it and get him going, and, you know, where do we go from here, uh, Chef Dan? Uh, you know, this is just turn the page. It's just right now, it is what it is. Uh you saw Toronto come back healthy. They went through their issues, but they're getting back strength full healthy. It's just it is what it is. Part of this the drug of the draw luck of the draw, if you ask me. What's your thoughts on that there? 
it's just some of the woes of be of you know going through this COVID rack season. You have not only do our top three scoring guns go down, but we also have little to no rim protection because Noel and Mitchell Robinson are both out, along with Jericho Sims. So now the best rim protector we have is Taj Gibson. We can only play him but so many minutes because he's veteran. Things are really tough right now as far as, you know, and Toronto is a well-coached team. We can never take away from that championship pedigree they have. They still have players that was on that championship brand team. They still have a way they go about, you know, uh, uh, being who they are, the Toronto Raptors. And so every night they're going to fight rough and everything. But we we saw it like they were, you know, the times where you, you can afford to have a, a defensive breakdown because you have a Mitchell Robinson or a Nerlens Noel there at the paint to deter some drives to the paint. That wasn't there tonight as well. So it, with this uh, with this loss, is, as we just didn't have the talent. I can chalk that up with, with that, right, uh, with, uh, with what you said right there. We just didn't have the talent. And the only thing we can look forward to now is hoping that with the shortened COVID uh, protocols and hopefully some of the players that uh, we, you know, hope for to get back, they may be test negative. Hopefully Kemba starts to feel better so we can get him back. But, yeah, we know the situation with Derrick Rose as well. We're going to have to wait for him. Right. And Rose a few weeks away, just um, I think about six weeks before he gets reevaluated, before he gets reevaluated, see, you know, his timetable after that. Uh, and of course, Kemba Walker out. And also, you could see on the floor, Evan Fournier is. is if if Randall was around or or even Kemba Walker, I don't think Fournier will be on the floor. I think Fournier is hurting. He's he's playing on on one foot, hobbled, and, and there's no excuse because he's been having a, a rough going the whole season. Um, but I think Fournier is you know in another in other circumstances, I think he will be not he will be out on street clothes. You know, and he won't be playing, to be honest with you, because I think he's injured. I think he's not 100% neither. So it's like the walking wounded for the New York Knicks, you know. You... I agree with that 100%. This is one of these things where it... These are the drills of the season right now. These are the, you know, the moments where you kind of have to just bite down and bear through. And so with that, with biting down and bearing through, knowing that this team is... Uh, as small as it is, um, what do you think Thibodeau's approach should be as far as, you know, attacking this offense and trying to get more points on the board? Because I know we scored 105 this game, but technically the game was kind of out of hand and over with within the third quarter when Fred Van Fleet went off to score his 35, uh, 35th point and um, just separated the game to a 21-point lead. Right there, uh, uh, you know, how how do we try and keep up with the offense, uh, keep up offensively? Because we, I'm seeing it the best, uh, you know, the best creativity we've seen so far is just R.J. Barrett trying to force it to the rim, and that's not working right now. Right, and, and Barrett, he's going to the basket, but uh, it'd be, it's nice and, uh, when Barrett cuts, cuts to the basket. It'd be nice for a trailer to cut with him from the wing, you know, and Obi Toppin you know, or even... You know, someone with, with more similar athleticism, you know, Obi, and I'm saying, oh, my God, um, Kev, who the heck on the team has this type of Obi Toppin type of athleticism and, and, and grit? But 
Uh, you're right. Uh, but you also have play. You know, Grimes could cut with RJ sometimes. You know, you could have. You know, and and, and um, you know, right now no center. Mitchell Robinson is another one that could go. You know, but Mitchell Robinson, I hear you can't expect that from Todd Gibson. And I don't think Kevin Knox is that type of aggressive player to do that. So it's like that offense that they currently have right now. They kind of stuck because they they don't have that guy that at that runner that that athletic runner that could run to the basket so far right now from the players currently on the roster that they're playing with right now with last night's game and it's interesting to see um tomorrow they they have a day off tomorrow they should be arriving either sometime at one in the morning in east in new york or two by the time whatever time it is because it was an early flight so let's say you know through customs and i don't know if Thibodeau was going to want to practice with them you know It'll be interesting to see if there's any moves going to be made with the with the affiliate um, watching the uh, Westchester Knicks. They they were on the floor practicing, you know. Th- today, um, pictures were were tweeted out earlier from Lucas Somatic. Um, you also had a few other players on the floor, Amir Sims, all that. There was a whole a whole tweet of them back at it, um, back at the grind, ready to go. Um, and Lucas Somatic pretty much says, "I'm ready to go," like saying, "Yay, I'm healthy." You know, I don't know. You know, I'll, I'll you know for those that it, you could follow us, um, BX Sports Jedi Network, or at B at, at uh, give us your Twitter handle, um, um, Chef Dan. I'll get. I'll find. I don't even know mine's by heart, so. You do know yours. Oh, mine's is at Dying Breed 18, at D Y I N G B R E E D 18. There you can follow me. I'll always, you know, like and repost. And if you DM me, I'll even talk to you about anything Knicks, Giants, or combat sports related. Right. And you can follow the the, the, net, the channel, BX Sports Jedi Network, and reach under the Knicks podcast at BX Jedi 76 on the G on. on the Twitter and also BX Jedi 76 at gmail.com as well. We'll, we'll answer any questions, um, you know, like he said, related to all those the topics as well as MMA fighting, you know, or any of any of the subjects, New York Yankees, New York Rangers, Michigan football, UCF football, baseball, basketball, anything with those um, program. You just follow us there in the Twitter um, and we even want to say hello. That's, you know, we, we don't bite. You know, hellos are free and hello backs doesn't cost us anything. So with the, with, with that said, um, I'll, I'll make sure I'll have that that Twitter. I'll, I'll put that there on my Twitter so you can see um, where they or just look for look for it. Um, Westchester Knicks or Lucas Semantic. Um, you see he retweeted and reposted. Um, he's ready to go. So I don't know what kind of surgery, what what procedure he had or how long. But it looks like he wants to play. And this is a guy. That kept saying, and, and I know, guys, I'm going to I sound, if those that have heard me, and thank you for those that support the program, the podcast, and not only the podcast, the YouTube channel, how much of a big implement of a fan. I pretty, if you ask me, you can see I have pom-poms for Lucas Semanic. You know, because I saw him in preseason with San Antonio against Orlando. I like what he put on the floor. Yes, he's, he loses his, his assignment sometimes on defense, but I think, you know, playing in Westchester Knicks, getting humbled, I think he's hungry. He's every time I seen. I've watched a few. I'm not gonna say three. I'm not gonna say that's it. Three Westchester Knicks games. Every time the kid gets interviewed, he always ends it. I don't want to be in the G League. I want to get to the big club. I, I love you know. I don't disrespect. I don't. And he's the second leading scorer in the G League right now. In in I know scoring. That's what the Knicks need right now. They don't. They they need a scoring. They they need low post threat. Low post shooting. 
And I know he stretched the floor and shoots the three, but man, length and, and size. But I don't think you know. I don't you know. It is what it is. But we're talking about what we have on our on our floor. I know you want to hear what we how do we solve what we have currently on our on our plate. Dan, they're a shooting team. They're a shooting team. If shots don't go in in, in rhythm, they're going to be in trouble because they they're not they don't have really someone to offensive rebound or 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 penetrate except for McBride. <clears throat> or Kemba Walker, and Kemba Walker's not there, and McBride's a rookie. You know, that's it's tough. It's it's tough. And the thing that hurts, Chef Dan, this is the part of the schedule that is where you're playing teams on the 500 where you could have got fat and gotten back to 500 or maybe a couple games over. What's your thoughts on that, though, about the schedule, though, the timing? I don't want to... I'm at a moment where I kind of just don't want to, you know, it's kind of looking that way. RJ Barrett said, don't sleep on the 2022 Knicks, but I think I might have to fluff my pillow and, you know, start getting the, the you know, sheets ready because it kind of seems like when the moments when we, you know, kind of need to start getting that on you know these mo- like this like you said this this stretch of games right here we were supposed to get fat on the uh, the teams that are under 500 but our three biggest scores are out and then we lose rim protection we've leave we leave just the kids the Knicks uh, fans on uh, social media have been screaming play play the kids play the kids we've seen the roster of the kids right now we're struggling to reach 100 points it's It's kind of tough. It's like the, the, the season is saying no. Mm. I don't know. We're in 10th place. It leaves us in the play-in. So we always have a chance to get back. It's always, you know, with the Knicks, we're always fighting a, a, a an uphill battle. But, oh, man. The next game we have is against the Pacers. And they have bigs in, in you know, DeMontis Sabonis and Miles Turner. Yes. It just looks like a daunting task ahead. And the only thing I could ask the uh like, you know, the Knicks contingency to try and do is like find a way to to, to you know The reason why I asked for the 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 reason why I asked for the um offense maybe to kind of change a little is now that we have just the young kids playing, we can maybe find a way to you know highlight their skill sets in the offense. That's the best thing we can do right now. And the only people we found a way to highlight their off the uh, their skill set easily is Alec Burks, uh, R.J. Barrett, Emmanuel Quickly. And Quentin Grimes, and it's all dependent right now on if the shot falls. We, I, I truly think right now, even with all the great things Obi has done, and in tonight, I know he uh, repeated his uh, his uh, career high in points as well. So congratulations to him. But we still, I, I don't think we've still unlocked Obi Toppin because earlier in the game, when all the you know all the shots mattered, he only took six shots, and four of them were three point shots. I don't want Obi Toppin taking a whole bunch of three pointers. Right, right, and also it was by the you know the problem with that and you know me I'm gonna be totally 
totally transparent. I got the Toby Tuppen shirt on right now. So when you're at the shot clock down of under seven seconds, I think he he though two of two out of the three times he had shot clock winding down and he attempted those threes. And you know what I've liked him to take the ball, you know, because he's not that type of player to have a floater either. He doesn't have a floater either to, to drive, especially when he when you're from the corner. It's tough to get a jump shot from the corner, driving in and try to, you know, get a, uh, a shot. And I understand why he does the three, but we'll like him to to establish more low post. Like when when the Knicks were down by 26, 24, the highest part watermark of the game. Was 25. 25. I was, and I was like, why is, why is Albie Toppin still in the bench? This is the time of game that you need to put him in there and let him work on his low post moves. You know, you know. You not wave the white flag and sensual because you we didn't have a bunch of deep deep bench tonight. But there's a type of play where you want to try something different. You know, try to feature him down low, get some post moves. Also, um, just try something. Uh, you know, and established. And I want to like to see Obi top. And maybe this is something he needs to work next coming up. This coming up off season, low post moves. You know, right now, you know, he's right now you you don't want to overwhelm the kid. And I think maybe that's the reason why this summer they didn't they just wanted him to work a two man game with Emmanuel quickly with a point guard, you know, or, or try to have Emmanuel quickly work as a point guard skills along with an Obi Toppin and watch those two grow together and hand in hand. That's and we'll 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 break on that too. I think Obi and, and Quickly both should be the starting in the starting lineup together. Um I think they, they complement each other, but we'll get that to that in a moment. And I think coming off this offseason, I think that's the next maturation of, of Obi Toppin's game is um, low post threat, low post moves, be able to, you know, receive the ball down low deep, make either a quick pivot or go footwork or use his athleticism and strength to score. And then, you know, after that, learn how to have some post um, defense, which I think his defense is not that bad. You know, I understand he might make mistakes or laps or, la- or allow the, the trail um, in transition, open sometimes for three or, but when he goes one on one defender, he's not a bad one on one defender, Chef Dan. He's not. He's not a bad one on one defender at all. Um, if we are, I, this is what I want to ask though. Do you want to uh, right now with the players we have? Do you want to uh, maybe give him a chance to work on those low post moves and even initiate our offense from the low post? Because that would essentially be Randall esque. I would like that, Chef Dan, but there's no one on this team that he could um, mimic or help out with the low post move. Because Randall doesn't doesn't show that either. And we we, we you know those of us that have been want we're, we're a little frustrated with Julius because we know that he has a skill set, but he's not featuring that either. A low post threat, um, scoring threat, more of a, of a wing stretch, and, and he'll drive going north to south at times, but. You know, and maybe maybe the game has passed us by, Chef Dan. Maybe maybe I'm just an old relic who's been watching basketball since the '80s. You know that I want to see the typical feed the ball down low, let the guy you know not 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 just the ice, not the isolation, but get him in the deep deep post, get a two or three moves. You know, either he's going to go to the basket, go put up, or find the open man to kick real quick. And Julius doesn't do that at times. And you know, more, you know, let's say. 70% of his possessions are not that type that we want. And, and maybe, you know, I I don't want to sound like I'm the game might pass me by well as well, thinking I'm stuck in an old time or, or another era of basketball. But we would like to still want to get, I, I still think, you know, 
the high percentage field goal shot is one is the best in basketball because you can't you know you know you can't miss it these those you know they you're right there to the basket you know and low post moves i think there's something to it because you also also want to call and command a double team or even triple team if you're becoming a demon down you know in the in the paint scoring you know and that's just going to help the 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 our shooters it, it fits our skill set of shooters quickly um grimes he, um, at times, RJ, Alec Burks, even even Derrick Rose has shown it, even Kemba Walker. If you got guys who could dominate down low in the paint, that's going to help them their shooting. Even Evan Fournier. This is why Evan Fournier was brought here. You know, if you got guys in the paint that could dominate that and and command that, these guys, are their, their three-point and their outside shooting are going to improve, in my opinion. I agree. I agree. It, it just... um. With with the guys that we have, uh, you know Julius and Obi primarily when when they're working in the low post, what it comes down to for me, the reason why I kind of sometimes you know I'm I'm a little hesitant about that, is because they're not very decisive. Right. That's the one thing that kind of kills me is the indecisiveness, and I'm starting to see that you know it it. It leaked over to Obi a little. We saw that in this game a little sometimes. We saw that even in the Thunder game uh, uh, a little bit where he kind of just, some indecisiveness kind of slows him down and he doesn't get the opportune bucket that he needs. I I don't know. Are you comfortable with the way they are, they're playing right now that you'd let them go through all this? I mean, cause I know the, the guys that we have, they feed off of it, but that indecisiveness that, you know, the one, two seconds of thinking about it is a difference between a missed and a made shot. And that right there is, you know, a difference in b- between a, a good possession and a bad one. I agree with you in a point. Yes, but we haven't reached the halfway point. There's still plenty of basketball left. If you want to take these legs, and and guys, we the, the New York Knicks do not have the luxury to give away games or experiment on the floor. They don't have the luxury. They're not. A, they're you know they're a medal of the pack team. They're ranked 17 in defense, around eighth uh, um, in three point shooting. You know around I think 19th in offense if I'm not mistaken. They're middle of the pack. They're mediocre middle of the pack team. You know and, and you know I know the one thing that they're they're one of the lowest echelon team is assist. They don't assist the team. They're like 29th out of 30. Uh, I think OKC is the worst assisting team. Um, and, and with those those stats, you know, my point is they're middle of the team. There's still plenty of basketball, and they can't afford to experiment and make that. But this is the time, though. You got sub 500 teams. You still got more than more than half the season left, and you're going to get your three horses back eventually. Randall, Rose. Kemba or Randall, at least Randall, we know for a fact. We don't know if Kemba is going to be traded. We, you know, that's for another conversation for a different podcast. But they, you know, there's rumors of trades, you know, and stuff like that, and he might be one of those that might be included. With that said, if you could bring these guys out, the the habits, and also allows you, Chef Dan, to see if these guys could put it translated on the floor. Because let's say, and I hate to do this because I, I don't like talking about hypotheticals, but it's a realistic fact in NBA talks. Where a mega star might be available and they might want one of these players. So now it's an opportunity to see what they do on an NBA floor. If they show you glimpses of, of, of play and it makes you want to say, uh, you know what? I don't think so. I ain't trading you for X, X mega player because I see something on the floor that I liked. Or 
you know what? Maybe it was a little fool's goal. Maybe because he's playing, you know, whatever the case is. Mm, maybe we could take a chance and let this player X go on a tr on this trade because we're going to bring a bona fide, you know, caliber NBA number one or, or, or you know, number two or, or all pro or, or NBA player in that position that we've been lacking for years in point guard center or whatever the case is. So. I don't know, Chef Dan. I, I'm torn between that because, you know, you want your own kids to develop that you draft. You want to see them grow. You want to root for them. Heck, you want to see, you know, like anything else. But maybe this is a, a, a blessing in disguise or, or, or an interesting an interesting situation going on right now with the Knicks are going through. It Oh, yes. I, I believe it is a very interesting situation because it kind of lends to – it lends to, to kind of uh, the the identity of this team. And earlier this season, we didn't know what the identity of this team was. We looked lost. There was nothing we could hang our hat on. And we're kind of slowly realizing the things that we need as the season goes on. We saw that last year. We felt maybe we were just one to two steps away. But now as the league, you know, every year the league changes. As much as it and as much as it changes, it stays the same. And so we're seeing now with the premium that is needed that I think we never had earlier this uh, you know, we, we we'd never had it. We just, you know, because we were missing other things, we prioritized that over this. And one of the things we never had truly was length. We never had lengthy, you know, lengthy shot makers. When we prioritized length, we ended up with a Frightened Lakina who wasn't really a, a shot maker, someone who we didn't prioritize in the development to be a shot maker or anything of that nature. So now when we're going for shot makers, we, we're getting short guys like a Deuce McBride or, a, you know, Quentin Grimes. He's not short, but his wingspan with the wingspan he has and, uh, uh, you know, the height he has, he's not uh, comparable to, a, let's say, a DeAndre Hunter or a Scotty Barnes, the players like these. Uh, we saw that, uh, you know, that was on display between the Toronto Raptors. And so we we kind of need guys that, you know, are, are lengthy. We need uh, athletes that, you know, can make shots as well as can, you know, create their own shots. But also we need guys that, you know, fundamentally are going to set uh, uh, hold the standard to themselves. I know we have guys like that in Obi Toppin and Emmanuel Quickly already. Those guys already fit that mode. But we need more guys like those two. Right, right. I, you know that, and I'm not saying they're getting this player, but they need like a type of molded player, like a, like a, like like the young man um from 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 the from the Pelicans. Um, Ingram, they needed like that kind of lengthy type of player. I'm not saying that kind of player, but they need that kind of length type of player. We, we saw like that, that length that could stretch the floor, that could also have long arms, that could rebound, also defend, getting get get that load, those long arms in the passing lane, create create you know a hard for the, a, a, a really disability for for opponents to shoot over because they just you know they got all arms and you're like mine, I can't really. See the, the rim. You know, also like McDaniel's from Minnesota. I'm not saying those type of players, but our own type of version, that type of mold that fit there, you know, that, that six nine, six eleven area, long, lanky, athletic, you know, that could just jump and, and has that long reach. And I think that's what the Knicks were trying to need to address going forward and, and well balanced stuff then, you know, and you, you know, it seems like they keep they keep drafting the same type of mold, six five, six six. Um, that could shoot, that that are really well good defenders, but 
after a while, they you know you have to maybe they're just trying to weed them out. Um, you know, see which one they want to keep and move them because maybe they think that that's going to be a premium in the NBA going forward. Um, seeing how you know mold trying to mold to a uh, 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 Golden State Warrior type of mold with Clay Thompson, you know Curry. And you have a Damon Green. I'm not saying Randall's a Damon Green type of player, but he does kind of do similar things: handle the ball, get in the paint, move around. And Damon Green is what six eight as well. Yeah, he's six eight, roughly six eight, six nine, something like that. Yeah, and maybe that's something what the Knicks are trying to mold around. You know, a Splash Brothers type of deal with them all three, and you know they they they're. I don't know. I don't know. I I you know, and it's tough to mimic those because those are really good players. You know. Uh, phenomenal players, and then you come in with, with a, you know, I don't know. I don't know if that's the game plan that they're trying to mimic or trying to bring forth, but it, in, in, in the NBA, it's always been who size and hitting shots. Size, size, and size. You got, you know, if you're taller and, and, and you know, and athletic, I think that gives you the advantage of young and fast. I mean, I don't, I, 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 I actually don't want to step away from that idea that you're talking about right there, okay. the mode of, you know, them trying to build in a way of um, Golden State. Because if that's the case, then this offense does not match that style of player. Right. You need consistent motion. Right. It, does, it doesn't match that style of player. It seems, I don't know, with... And on offense, they get stagnant. This offense gets stagnant, but it, it all depends on really what, like based on the moves that the uh, the front office has presented so far, what type of team do you see them trying to build right now? That's that's exactly, I, I'm not, you know, not on offense, but the style of players, characters of players on paper, that's what they look like, Chef. You know, a lot of six, a lot of wings, and and NBA average wings, you know. Um, besides Kemba Walker, because I like I, once again, and I keep saying it, Kemba Walker fell on their lap. That's that's something you know. You know, it's like the last person to dance, and you didn't, didn't want to dance on the floor by yourself, so you're gonna dance with that person. That's the way I feel with Kemba Walker. Um, that's just my opinion, folks. So you know, I just wanted to say that, only put that out there. But everyone else, you know, from from Grimes, RJ, all the way, you know, well, Grimes. RJ was already here before this front office, so let's take let's exclude them. But everyone else, it's like almost the same skill set, that same type of skill set, and they want to have that kind of skill set interchangeable. But the only thing they want to keep pretty much the same is your power forward with Randall, you know, and, and that's good and all. But did they ever thought about Randall playing the most minutes he ever played in his career? How is it going to affect this season? Maybe that's also another another effect. You know, maybe he's feeling that he had a, such a and I'm saying he can't handle it, but maybe the body felt it because he he, he said he had, that was the shortest recovery time he had in his career, and that's documented when he was going through. He was on, you know, that was pretty quick for me to recover, but I'm ready. You know, you know, of course he's gonna say he's ready because he's going to say I'm not ready. You know, I'm not in shape, but you know, but it was to, the shortest he ever said he's he's gotten gotten back on the court to get ready to offseason program, and then just being a new father as well. You know, you know, that's another thing. You know, because. Hey, we all, we all excited when, you know, he, he's a family man, always with his family, with his wife and his son, and now his other his other child. And, and 
He's a family-oriented man who does a lot of things with Canaan, goes out you know, with, with his wife and family, participate. He's involved. He's in very extremely involved, and he also he puts in the work. So he's going to have to try to put a balance. Did he, did he get a full recovery, not just physically, emotionally and mentally? Because, he, you know, it was on cloud nine, and then I'm going to do it again. It's, it's tough. It's tough. You know, there's, there's always a saying, Chef Dan. It's easy to get on top of the mountain, but it's tougher to stay on top of the mountain. Oh, yeah, most definitely. And even with last year, we relatively weren't even on top of the mountain. It was just like we finally got to the mountain. We were one of the climbers finally. Right. That's it. Right. When I mean that is for Julius Randle, when I mean the top of the mountain, his career highs. And he he smashed all his career highs. So that's for him. That's climbing. That's a new benchmark. Well, that's a new mountain he climbed. So now he has to try to climb even a t- higher mountain because he already climbed one mountain. So that's my point of staying on top of the mountain when it came to Julius Randle. Of course, the ultimate mountain is the NBA title, the Larry O'Brien. Oh, 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 okay. Oh, as far that's, as that, oh, yes, okay. I, I should have cleared that up from when I meant it. But that mount, that first mountain, the first one is that one. Is is that first mountain is his career highs and getting most valuable player. And then you know maybe this year he was looking to do that. The next mountain would have been win a league MVP. You know, I, I don't know what was his personal goal. You know, I, I'm not Julius Randle. I do not know what he thinks. But just from, from from an aspect looking over, you know, what's my goal? And then that's an individual mountain. Uh, as a team mountain, of course, I think they wanted to go into the next round of the playoffs or win the round of the playoffs, you know, climb that mountain. You know, so like you said, they first got that first one is that they climbed the mountain of not being a playing team, actually making the playoffs. That's the first small mountain. And then when they climbed it, they go, wait a minute, there's another mountain which is getting into the playoffs and hosting a playoff win. You know, and maybe, you know, who knows? Like I said, it's harder. Now, now you're not the under-the-radar under team no more, Chef Dan. Now you're welcome. We got the Knicks. They were fourth seed last year. We're going to kick your butt because we want that. Hey, these teams like like Toronto, Indiana, uh, Indiana, uh, um, the Pacers, time teams that finished under us, they want to they want to be that feel-good Knicks story this year. And they say if this team of Knicks could do it, we why can't us, Chef Dan? Oh, yeah. I'm not even going to lie. One game that I feel like uh, – one team just kind of took it personally to say, hey, if they can do it, we can do it, was the Cleveland Cavaliers. I felt all throughout that game that they kind of just, them and the Bulls this year, the Bulls have kind of let it be known that, you know, they want to run the same type of story that we ran last year. And that if the Knicks could do it, they can do it. Right. And and, and that's why, you know, then the Hunters become the hunted, you know, and, and now they become hunted. And, and teams... And I'm not saying, you know, teams aren't going to win anything for beating the New York Knicks, although you, teams relish just to beat the Knicks, you know, for media exposure, to embarrass the franchise, whatever the case is, team gets up even yeah, more. Yeah, but, but sometimes, you know, in the in the minutia of having an 82-game season, sometimes having those little goals, those little intrinsic goals help you along the way. And right now we gave, like after last year, we kind of just gave the whole, we gave everyone in the league a new goal, and that's to beat the Knicks again. Especially last, in the Garden. Like, yeah, especially in the Garden. And last couple of years, it was kind of just, you know, go off in the Garden and whatever, they're the Knicks. But now we've gone to the playoffs, it's, yo, they're the Knicks again. Right, right. And, and, and it doesn't help either. Game one of the season, we're bing-bonging and guys are going, you know, and Ooh. rightfully so. We waited for a long time. I'm not going to argue or, or hurt the fans with that, you know, celebrate, but... We're not, yeah, we're not, yeah. We celebrated, and rightfully so, when we win a game, we celebrate. It's just that right after that, everyone said, you know what, if they want to celebrate, we'll show them how to celebrate. 
right? And and unfortunately, that that was a target, a bullseye, an unnecessary target they put on their back, you know, with the bing bang and going after that. And you know, pretty much, you know, it is what it is. It's already it was already done. You know, you can't put toothpaste back in the toothpaste in the tooth in the tube once it's spilled. You just it is what it is, you know. But hopefully, going forward. Um, and, and I'm saying I'm not taking anything away because there's folks that have been waiting since since the last title since '72, waiting for the Knicks to hoist the title. I I personally I've been twice to the NBA Finals and to feel that defeat, that gut punch of almost winning in Game Seven against the, the Rockets and, and getting swept by the San Antonio Spurs and not returning back to that land. Um, I I felt that, and, and my point is, you know, we got to learn. Even though we haven't been there for a long time, we just got to learn how to be. Like we've been there before, and I know it's hard because you know I never seen it. I seen there's a whole generation of players that haven't even seen them um, play even in the in the conference finals or remember the recollection of them playing even in the conference finals. But we need to act like we've been there before. No, not a knock to Nick fans, you know, because like I say, I always say it and I say it again. They are the most. We are the most loyal, and and kudos to them to travel any any of any visiting arena is always full of Nick fans. Uh, other than Utah, I don't think that that gets full of Knicks fans. But anywhere else in the in the United States country, I can say that there's Knicks nation represents extremely well. And kudos to the fan base that goes and, and follows them and makes them voices heard in those visitors arena. And, but um, also, but the ones that are home, and I understand that you guys get excited when we win because I understand you got the tickets on Madison Square Garden are extremely expensive. And you have all the right to get excited and go the way you you receive a victory especially after that all that much of money that you pay for those tickets how expensive it is and so forth whatever the, all that but you know but let's try remember um let's let's go crazy when we get that when we get over to that mountain because i can't wait be the first fool to go act like a fool too when they win the nba title most definitely but um if this year if this season does continue to persist like this and we somehow squeak in to the playoffs, regardless of, you know, how the year ends, right? What I want to see from now is how the front office and how the players individually attack the offseason. Because we had a good year last year and we were all curious. You know, you know what? I, I'll start from this. When the front, when the guys, when the front office inherited the roster that they did, we wanted to see how they would attack it. And they attacked it in a great way. They tried to do something different this year. It didn't work. Are you going to try and go back to that same formula? Or are you going to try and do something else this year? What is the evolution through, for this front office? Because these guys, you know, Leon Rose and William Wesley are relatively new to being front office guys. Being, uh, you know, in charge of a franchise and being the head of the moves. Scott Perry, not so much. But I would like to see, you know, after this year, how they attack the offseason. That's an interesting, interesting fact that you brought up because there's rumors that, you know, Scott Perry has a foot down to being president of the Portland Trailblazers. You know, that was reported before. I don't know. You know, it's kind of quiet down. They haven't made a decision. But do you, I could see Scott Perry moving away from the Knicks and taking a, a president role elsewhere. And it'll be interesting to see what kind of um, general manager they bring. You know, although we all know, you know, Rose is their president and Wesley, and but they want to get a general manager there. Will they bring a basketball um, 
mind that has done the GM role before that knows the, the players, or will they bring another guy like similar to you know the Rose type of deal, um, Leon Rose and company and friends? Well, wonder who they if they if, if that were to happen, or would they elevate Allen Houston and finally give him the GM role and allow him to become a general manager? Those are questions for the end of the season and and so forth. You know, because like you said, Chef Dan, it'll be interesting because this trading deadline is almost upon us. You know, February third is when Julius Randle could be moved. You know, and I'm not saying he's being moved, guys. I'm just putting these dates out there just to, you know, uh, just to just put the dates. But that's facts. He, if they were going to ever make a move, it's on to February 3rd. Randall's not going anywhere. And I don't think he's going to go anywhere, period, to be honest with you. But just in case, February 3rd is when he's available to move. Like that December 15th was the big name day that Kemba and, and Fournier could move. Although we're not going to – only move that we've seen so far really is, is Rajon Rondo moving, you know, from Los Angeles to Cleveland. Although – you know, I questioned that on the podcast, on the watch along. I said, why did the Knicks allow him to go, you know, not make a phone call, you know, kick the tires. You, you, you signed Moody. You signed other other point guards that that really didn't, you know, it's not really going to get that much playing time. You know, even if you don't bring, even if you bring Ray around that not to play or, or, you know, help, you know, see something on the floor to help a McBride, uh, you know, help the young quickly maybe, you know, because, you know, quickly. And I thought, you know, you know, even if you bring Rajon Rondo, even if he plays, you know, it's still. It, this is when I said on the on the on the live broadcast, I said, every time May came around, no matter how much you said about Rajon Rondo, he don't stick with certain teams all the time, or or not a building league block. But every time I I, I watch the NBA on May, especially when the Knicks are no longer available or they're seized there playing golf, and it's May and the teams that are there. There's always a Rajon Rondo team doing something in the second round, doing something. And I'm not saying he's the vocal point, Chef Dan. He's not the main star, but he's part of that, and he's a catalyst on those teams. And obviously he's bringing something to help them elevate to that level. And I understand it could be a little luck as well, but he's got, that he's got something to do with it. And I always hear Mike Breen, and I hate to hear him, always saying, Rajon Rondo, you know, and always saying something positive on the scouting report. And that's four times already that the Knicks, that, that player has gone right underneath their nose. And the Knicks don't even bat an eye that way. And, and I don't, it puzzles me because every way he does, he does something well. He, he actually helped Atlanta, to be honest with you, get in that trade for, for Lou Williams. You know, and, and he helped Atlanta establish something well with Trey Young. And until Trey Young helped, I guess you could say, helped them tutor, mentor him, and they moved him on. I don't know why the Knicks didn't even take a kick on the tires on that. I mean, because I guess currently because they'd rather save those spots for trying to get a big man in here. We're, we're low on big mans. That right. I understand the big maybe, man. Yeah. So, like, I mean, we already have all those guards. I guess I'm um, like, uh, I know Rajon Rondo is a championship level uh, point guard. And he, you know, has two rings. First ever player to ever have a ring from both Boston and Los Angeles. But um, as far as like the, the, you know, point guard expertise, I don't think there's more that he could ever teach from having a Kemba Walker and a Derrick Rose on the, uh, you know, on the bench. Yes. But as a stopgap player that you could bring in here, because he, he got traded for a bag of chips. But let me tell you, to be honest with you, he got traded for nothing. And you're telling me the start that Moody has, a hardship, you know, you could still bring him in here. And I'm not saying you would have got Rajon Rondo on your hardship deal because that was a trade. But Wayne Selden, I mean, even even he, if Rajon Rondo doesn't play and play the role of Wayne, Wayne Selden in, in mixing it out in, in practice, 
remember Kemba Walker was not is not known as a high assist guard. Neither is Derrick Rose. Although both of them are in their ball. Give me the ball. I'm going to be the first option, which right now they're not the first option no longer in their careers. You're bringing a guy who never was the first option in their career to come in here and play the point guard, know how to set up teammates, and know how to elevate his teammates to utilize their talents better and utilize the team around them, their talents, and put them in positions to succeed. That's the kind That's the kind of point guard I think they kind of needed, you know, change of pace because Rose and, and Kemba were always alpha dog point guards, if, if you, that makes sense. Yeah, but then again, we've seen that, you know, Rose, was, Rose had the ability to – help unlock Obi and now we're seeing that Rose's ability is even you know I'm guessing the way he's found a rapport with Obi has leaked over to Alec Burks and Emmanuel quickly so I I don't know they, there's I don't think there's a person that uh if you know Rondo comes in here that he unlocks that the, the difference is that much more hmm. maybe maybe I think he could feed and give and go um Especially until um, Derrick Rose returns, because if if you know Rose is returning, you could actually release Rajon Rajon Rondo. It would it kind of cost them much? Let him go to a team if he wanted. If the team didn't go far, just a stopgap until Rose got back. Or like I said, in in that role of Wayne Selden, you know, just have him there on the bench. You know, Wayne Selden is is in, not going to get any playing time, and and, and you would have had Rondo in the building. And, and in case the way Kemba, you know. I hate to quote from Z, a, a guy with degenerative knee issues. You know, you bring him in, you bring him in, and, and and you have him in the in the roster to play and so forth, just in case as an insurance insurance policy. But you know, it is what it is. It already happened. Um, it just puzzled me. It just puzzled me that they didn't even sniff looking at a Rajon Rondo, um, who still has plenty available, in my opinion. I'd rather have Rajon no, Rondo I, than Patrick Beverly. No, I agree. I agree with, you know, the idea that you're presenting and I see what you're presenting. But um, I I don't know. I, I, I could also see with the front office's idea in not picking up a Rajon Rondo and going like, you know, we you know, he can be a great influence to these kids. But then again, they already have a Kemba Walker and, a, a, you know, Derek Rosen. Sometimes too many cooks to do bad things in the kitchen. I could see that, too. I could see that, too. But also... You know, some, but also you want a different protein. You know, not all the time you're gonna go cook always a uh, uh, chicken. You want to sometimes add some beef or or some shrimp. You know, you know, you know, and and protein still a protein, but sometimes you want you add a different protein. You know, so I don't know. I you know, <laughs> as I talk, as those of you don't know that's listening to us in the podcast, I'm we're mentioning these cooking references because Chef Dan is an actual chef. You know, and, and we just, you know, trying to, you know, please him as a chef there. So, so those that are listening to us in the podcast and the audio platform, that's why we laughed. And we chuckled because Chef Dan is a real chef. And so we're trying to bring a little cooking analogy as well. Most definitely. <laughs> <laughs> now, let's address something. You know, I, I was going to end the podcast now, but I think we're, you know, we have such a good conversation. We're going to extend a little longer. Um, just a, a, a real one more topic, um, to be honest with you, Chef Dan, is the interesting dynamic in Houston. I know we talked about it on the watch along and, and the play by play live, but we're going to, since we're recording it and we want to talk about it, those that missed the watch along and play by play and, and usually listens to us just maybe on the audio platform. Um, the dynamic in Houston, um, we saw that Christian Woods. And Kevin Porter Jr. Uh, had an altercation or, or disagreement with assistant head coach John Lucas of the third, and it led to Kevin Porter 
throwing something, an object at, at his head, at his assistant head coach, and leaving the team, just just totally leaving. You know, very irate, left the game in middle, and the game still had a second half to play, and Christian Woods refused to be subbed back into the game. Um, wow, uh, where things have changed with coaching and, and players' relationship. You know, it's a players' league. Does that – my thing is that's an interesting team to watch for players being moved. And remember, the Knicks got play. I'm not, and, guys, I'm not saying that they're coming to the New York Knicks or should the Knicks go after him. I want to be clear. They only make a total of 15, 15 to $16 million, both together combining cap hit. We have a player in California at $17 million, you know, or you could add, you know, uh, Nolan's Noel at 9 and Kevin Knox at 15 and some draft picks to match salaries and involve a third team with Indiana Pacers, who's oh, Evan Fournier is at $17 million, $18 million. Now, you could do the math. You could move guys around. I think they found a third team to engage in a three-way trade, Chef Dan. What's your thoughts, or are we thinking too much? Um... It all depends on, you know, like, it, and I understand it's a player's league and play, some players, you know, nowadays are getting certain privileges that they weren't extended, you know, uh, back in the days. But I think regardless, there are certain things that you don't do as a professional. And so with that being said, with, you know, with Christian Wood, I know he... He decided not to go back in, but the news was the the reason why they reprimanded him was because he missed a COVID test. Mm. That's a very good reason to reprimand a player. If you know how important being tested for COVID is, if you know that already in this season, teams are missing players left and right. And I understand that, you know, it's early and the Rockets, uh, the, the Rockets win loss record looks bad, but it's always an opportunity with the way COVID is racking the season for your team to kind of, you know, play through all the scuttlebutt and possibly end up getting closer and closer to 500. You can fight your way through. It's very possible. You just have to be consistent and be dedicated to the craft the same way everyone else is. And that means doing things like taking the COVID test. You knew that before you came into the season, that was what you signed up for. It And so for you to miss a COVID test is very irresponsible. It not only puts you in danger, but it puts your teammates in danger because now no one knows if you have COVID. And now for you to be upset with your coaching, uh, with the coaching staff over that I, and, and then refuse to not do your job, I, I don't know. It. It's very disrespectful. I wouldn't, you know, that's very disrespectful. Now with Kevin Porter Jr., I this is the second time that something like this has happened where he's been disrespectful to upper brass and you know, he's just decided to leave the the uh, team the team uh, setting. I don't, it just doesn't look good for, for both of these guys. And so I know that the uh, Indiana Pacers do, like the rumors have been out there that they do want to trade their players. They want to clean house. But is this what you want to clean house for? Like, is this, I I know Christian Wood, what is the length of his contract? He's 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 almost done. He's he's going to get a contract extension coming up. Let me let me pull it up as we speak there. Um, I know I was I was looking at it earlier. 
and I had it earlier on my browser, but then I, you know, now that I'm on, on the podcast, I can't change my browser right now, which I could, but, you know, let's find Christian Wood. And with that, with, with mentioning about Christian Wood, um, it'll be interesting because losing does that, you know, and, and when you're losing game, you, you, you get frustrated, but I don't, I don't, I could see why a John Lucas the third, elder, a little older fella, you know, getting a little irate because he's older. You don't know if he has pre-existing condition, diabetes, or whatever the case. And, and with this COVID, it elevates your pre-existing conditions. It gets you sick, and it puts you in harm's way, or possibly perishing, dying. You know, and and, and you guys are and NBA players are so responsible to be held to a higher responsibility. You know, and they should know better. They're getting paid, you know, millions of dollars. You know, for a skill set. And, and all they need to show, like you said, professionalism, you know, and for being irresponsible and trying, you know, that's I can see why a coach might want to call a player out for that irresponsibility. You're not just, no. you're, you're, you know, yeah, go ahead, Chef Dan. But see, the crazy part is I read the article on that okay. and he wasn't calling uh, uh, Christian Wood out for, uh, you know, the for missing the COVID test. He called out the team. Uh, the whole team for their effort on the court because mm. he felt they weren't giving enough effort defensively. And then he proceeded to point out certain players like Kevin Porter Jr. and Christian Wood. That's when they decided not to come back in for the game. Got you, got you. Christian Wood signed a three-year, $41 million guaranteed and his, and his annual is at $13 million and his contract, he is a free agent. In three years, two-sided, two more. I think he has one more year left. One more, two more year. I'm trying to see where I'm looking at sports track. And he will be a free agent in 2023. So he has to play next year. So he's got pretty much this year and next year. And next year's number is 14.3 million. So that's a very manageable number. Yeah, and Kevin Porter Jr., he has a very manageable number, but... He is like it, it all depends on like the these type of um attitudes. Do you want them near your locker room and are are they worth it? Right, right, right. Right. Um I don't know cuz you know Kevin Porter is still 21 years old. Kevin Porter Jr. Let me let me make sure I give that right. Junior, not the not senior. He's 21 year old player. Um He's this career average four point one assist. He's averaging five point seven assists this season. You know, in, in the games with the with the Rockets, uh, twelve point eight points a game, uh, shooting thirty six point six percent from the field. He gets four point two rebounds a game. I'm trying to let me find his uh, overall contract. And um, Porter right now, he signed yeah, a four. Yeah, go ahead, Chef. He, he he signed a four year uh what is it four year six million dollar deal with the uh, Cav Cavaliers. And no, four year eight million. Four to eight million, and for twenty twenty two to twenty twenty three. So in twenty three, both Wood and Kevin Porter Jr. both come off the books at the same time. Now, because they get qualifying offers, but the teams could obviously. Not uh, extend the qualifying offers. Right. They're restricted free agents. They're both restricted free agents now. Here's the deal. $2 million a year, you cannot. And I know the kid is really good, and I know there's an issue, but you cannot allow him to get on the damn Lakers. 
You cannot allow that kid to get on the damn Lakers. He gets on the Lakers with LeBron and so forth. It's like the rich kids getting richer. I wouldn't want him in Los Angeles. But you know, if that, if he, if if you know, guaranteed, the Lakers are going to be calling, knocking on the door, it's, especially after this outburst and stuff like that. Um, you know, they're going to be calling and knocking on the door. I mean, but I don't. I know we shouldn't worry about what the Lakers do. I understand. No, no, no. That's not it. No, that's not it. I just. But if I'm the like, it, I don't. I don't see how it benefits the Lakers at this point because they just they they Lakers. I don't they, know. Like they, they have problems they, beyond just getting a Kevin Porter Jr. that that would solve. I understand, but that's the right step. You're getting. You're influxing youth. You got a youth, and even if he comes off the bench, at two million dollars with. You know, LeBron, you know, when Westbrook sits, if they can move Westbrook, if they don't, whatever the case is, bring a Porter in junior with with, with uh, LeBron, you know, you, you could put him in there with Melo to try to break it down, kick back to Melo, all this type of deal um, play there. I, I don't know. I'm just saying because every time there's one of these kind of players that has a lot of talent, you know, with yeah, it's, the Lakers always tries to climb, try to sweep them like a hawk, like an eagle, going for prey and – that's why they, you know, the rich get, you know, rich and teams get stuck. You know, you if I and I'm not saying the Knicks need to go get them, but they need to start asking questions, um, trust their own scouting report, their scouting team, and see because I'm not saying he's going to solve this point guard position, but for two million dollars, for you know, that's a nice deal, you know, contract wise. But I understand he's a headache. I understand there's a headache issue to that, um, detrimental. But remember. And I'm not saying it's the same. There was a headache that this guy that we bought here, it's a Nick he's guy's a Nick legend. If there was a Nick Hall of Fame, I think he would be in the Hall of Fame. And this guy this guy literally choked his head coach. And that's Latrell Speedwell. And you saw what coming over to the, and nobody ever thought New York. This guy is beloved. You talk to any Nick fan Nick that was from my generation, my era, Latrell Speedwell. He is loved. Yes, I mean, and I'm not, and and and, and hey, it might not work with with Kevin Porter Jr. It might not. You might, you know, seven. But like then I said, again, hey. but then again, I I see what you're saying. It's saying it might work too well. Mm. Especially, yeah. It it's might work yeah. too mel- well. Like he might find a comfortable niche. He might be the shot making Kuzma that they needed. You never know. Because that's the point guard with, with you know, you know, and two million dollars. Even if you play one year with him and bring him in the end of this year, and he does really good for New York at that price, you could let 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 let's put let me let's put this scenario. He comes to New York and he plays really good, but the Knicks still have doubt about his character. You know, you know, maybe he's doing that because he wants to get good grace with New York, and they don't trust him. They think you know there might be an outburst or reputation. You know, history might repeat itself. At two million dollars, you add it with seventeen million dollars of Evan Fournier, you got nineteen million dollars. You don't tell me you could move him, you know, with a player or, or you know with a package to try to bring you know a De'Aaron Fox, you know, or, or a point. You're still sending, um, gold, uh, San Antonio. I mean, uh, um, Sacramento, a point guard, you know, or, or whatever, whatever. I'm, I'm using them as an example. I know it doesn't fit because Fournier doesn't fit the Sacramento Kings. I understand that, but I'm using that as an example, Chef Dan. Just bear with me, mm-hmm. guys listening. You know, because you got to match salaries, but you're you're and you and you throw a pick, 
take just give me this give me this blockbuster player here or even Damian Lillard if you want to go back that route. You know, you're going to send them, you know, Kevin Porter Jr., let's say he comes out, he averages 17, 17 points in New York, and the Knicks squeak in, you know, and they play one round of the playoffs. I say, why would you want to get rid of that player? He just helped you get into that first round, whatever. That's just in case the front office doesn't think that he's going to be a solution long term, but he really balled out and really impressed and really like, oh, wow, he has value, and especially at that, at that money sign. You could flip them. I, I I don't know. I, I maybe it's just a little too much minutia and me over me my me overthinking. But it, this is a Willie and dealing league, Chef Dan. So I don't know. It is, but at the same time, I'm I don't know we if we're gonna see a lot of wheeling and dealing this season. It's still going. I, I don't know. I still go right back to coronavirus taking out people left and right and teams never having the chance to truly build any chemistry and just when you think a team like right now i i know we got hit with some covid julius randall's out this that whatever i know i i can guarantee this after this game some of the raptor players will get hit with covid they just got back from it too you might be right and they just got back but i guarantee it after this game because like the way COVID is kind of running through the league, you're we literally as fans every night on Twitter I'm seeing it, they're tracing the contact. Right, and actually we we just played them. That's where we got our first um, epidemic wave was from from them when we went to to Canada. We can't when players got back from Canada they started after the no, but that was after Canada got its outbreak from right. Cleveland. Right. Yeah, I mean, with the combat tracing, with the contact mm-hmm. tracing, excuse me. Um, it, it'll be interesting there, uh, but but Chef Dan, you got to say the number for $2 million if, if he's it's, available. It's a, nah, if he's available, right. I'm not going to lie. Uh, aside from the character, the talent is there. Let me ask you a question. If, if Houston says, take a pick. You know, you could give me this back or that back. You know, they say they're going to want a little more. And they say Eric Gordon or... Kevin Porter Jr. for my roster. Which which one you're taking? And you know, is it Gordon or Bledsoe? I, I get those two confused. Bledsoe no, it's Gordon? it's Gordon. Gordon. It's Gordon. Okay. Gordon's contract is uh, it's a, it's a, it's up there though. But but yeah. but they want they want to get rid of that. They want to get rid of that number. Um, they're gonna tell you you know, you could have any one of these two point cards. Who'd you take? Uh. Damn, I'd have to take KPJ. Yeah, younger, course. a lot more upside. You can mold him. You can, yeah, yeah. Because you know, Eric Gordon is twenty, uh, thirty-three years old. He's making twelve point nine million dollars. You know, and you can, you know, what you're gonna get with Gordon. You, you know, and you could still. And he's not. He's not really a point guard. He's more like a shooting guard, small forward. You mm-hmm. know, but another six-four guard. <laughs> another, you know, and, yeah, and, that, and that, yeah. that's not really known for a handle. You know, you're bringing another guy in here that's not a, you know, a point guard as per se as Kevin Porter Jr. is, you know, um, bringing in there. Just hope that they don't end up getting, you know, if they do bring a Kevin Porter Jr., I'm just, here's one, my, my concern, my, my worry, that Kevin Porter Jr. turns into Kevin, Kevin um, um, Dennis Smith Jr. That's all I'm worried about. That's all I'm worried about. Be honest with you, that's all I'm worried about. And I'm not going to lie, his shot profile makes it look that way because, I know he averages twelve points, but he takes a lot of shots to get there. Okay, I see. See, that's that's a you know uh, yeah, that's another thing. I, I'm not into the Houston Rockets to see his shooting. Um, you know, he's, he's shooting thirty six percent from the field, 
you know, but I don't know, you know, how many attempts per shots he makes. You know, um, you know, I would love to have, uh, you know, I see the 5.7 assists, you know, on the on the board and four point something rebounds. But I would like to see if, you know, if he's a slasher to go to the basket type of um, attacker, a finisher to the rim, because this is what the really the Knicks need is a point guard that can learn how to finish into the rim. Kemba Walker's never been a, a point guard that could finish. At the rim, all his career, even when he was on his high profile, he was just a, a really good player. But he was, you know, he had trouble finishing at the rim all, all the way from from Connecticut. But uh, he still was an effective scorer. Don't get me wrong; it's not this, it's not a, just a flaw in a little flaw in his in his game. And Derrick Rose is that type of player, but he doesn't have the body to hold up to what the Knicks need. So it's interesting. You know, all we want to do is get see if we can help, see if we could think about outside the box to bring that, and that presented himself for the Knickerbockers. Um, we shall keep an eye on that, and you know it's going to be almost close to 30 days before trading deadline. Yeah, uh, I don't know. We um, we may see a lot of movement. We may not, because the off season is also supposed to be geared to not look very exciting because it's not a lot of free agents. So we we don't know. We don't know what's going to happen. But I'm excited to see. Maybe some teams feel you know that maybe there's a team. Uh, in the vein of the Lakers and the Houston Rockets, the uh, Pacers that feel regardless of how much COVID is racking, is hitting their, uh, you know, their roster, they still need to make a trade because even when the parts are there together, it doesn't look right. Right. There's a few of those teams. Uh, Dallas is one. Dallas. Dallas oh, Dallas is definitely one. Dallas is particularly one of those. Um, you know, even Portland. Portland at times, you don't know what they are. You know, you know, they look just. They're having. You know, there's a lot of teams. As much as we we concern about our New York Knicks, there's a lot of parity in the league because there's a lot of teams similar to what the Knicks are going on. You know, not just with the COVID, but they got p- players that man, it's not working right now. Not fitting. You know, pieces are not working. You know. What if we if this player X wasn't here, maybe the team plays better, or we add a next player X here? You know, there's a lot of questions. Dallas is one of those type. Los Angeles Lakers are not having the season that they're supposed to. You know, only one team that said they're really waiting, really gonna wave the white flag is the Pacers. And other than that, I don't have heard anyone else say they're waving flags there. We all know Orlando. Orlando is is not gonna go anywhere, and I don't think they're gonna do anything either. Um, you know, Detroit is Detroit. They're rebuilding. They're not. You know. And maybe another team that I don't know if they're going to blow things up and, or what it is. Um, it'll be interesting to see because the, the GM is trying to save his bacon because he knows he's probably on his way out is the Pelicans. Oh, David yes. Grissom and the Pelicans. We, who don't know what the heck is going on with that with that franchise. That franchise is, is, is like, I don't know. That's another one. It's, it's kind of crazy when you're losing and you're just silent. That's bad. Yeah. Yeah. And there's no glamour. Nobody wants to. Nobody cares about them. You know, be honest with you, because Zion ain't there. And what does that tell you? You know, with with the league. You know, the league. You know, they 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 went out of their way to, to Zion. They wanted Zion to get in the playing. You know, that year for rookie year, they made everything mm-hmm. possible. You know, and, and putting him in, and now he's not on the court, and the Pelicans are irrelevant. Very extremely irrelevant um, franchise, or um, you don't hear anything. You don't even know. You know. You know. You know that they're in the bottom of the echelons of the league, but you don't even hear peep nothing. You don't even know. You know. If, if we didn't know about Brandon Ingram, I, I don't. You know. Maybe Valentunas. That's it. That's it. You don't know anyone else. We, me personally, because I like Jackson Hayes. I think Jackson Hayes is a high energy um, 
backup center for them. But other than that, it's quiet. It's quiet. It's mum. Mum's the word, you know. And you know, and it's interesting to see teams are like that in that meddling, that middle stuck where they need something jump start. Um, Sacramento, you don't know what the heck is going on. You remember we we talked about Allen Gentry. I'm blasting them on the last podcast, and what their what situation is going on with them? They're they're going through through whatever now also headache mediocrity. You know, uh, um, the teams in the East. You know, Philadelphia doesn't look hot. Philadelphia, the Knicks are a couple win streak away, and they're right there on the heels of Philadelphia 76ers. Although they had an impressive victory against Brooklyn the other night, but they're mm-hmm. another one that are, are stuck in the middling time. That's the Hawks. The Hawks, who are supposed to take the next step going forward, they're 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 uh, as of tonight probably tied with the New York Knicks in eleventh or tenth, you know, right now in the standings. You know, they were they were trailing the Knicks at one time, um, right before I think right before we lost that game in OKC. I, I got to check the st- updated standings, but the Hawks are not having that type. And Trey Young has a, a, a streak of twenty five plus games in a row. I think that's his eleven twenty five plus game in a row. And meanwhile, look where they're at. You know, they're they're stuck in you know. So there's a lot. Of, st- of teams that are stuck in that middle same time but uh, can't get going COVID won't allow them or whatever the case is and it'll be interesting to see I think the team that gets on a on a really sustained second half winning streak or get hot in in April could could have a a, a, a nice playoff run Chef Dan most definitely um it I don't know why I just feel like it, it as tight as it is right now it's going to be that much more tight coming down the wire. So I just, the Knicks can't wave the white flag. No. No, the Spanish, no matter how stupid or how terrible it looks and we, how much we, we get like fools and get frustrated with them uh, as fans, it's okay for us to sometimes want to find blame. But as an organization, they're going to have to keep, keep the course, keep the, keep the faith, keep going forward. And us as fans got to continue to have a little patience and, and trust the process Trust the front office, the organization. I know we killed my boy personally not having a contingency plan for Randall power forward and bringing size. I I, I knocked them myself, but I gotta trust them. They know what they're doing at the end game. Um, we're we're reactionary for the present moment, but we gotta see the end game. And the end game is the chapter of the 21-22 NBA New York Knicks season before we could say you know. Um, fail or give us our final grades on the organization. We shall see, you know, and, and not have a, you know, us as fans, we, get, we tend to get knee-jerk reaction. You know, I remember, you know, when Mitchell Robinson news came on, my guy, my Twitter, my Twitter alerts were going, my, my Twitter alerts and my YouTube alerts was going crazy because everybody who has a, 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 a YouTube Knicks page or, or, or show were, were all putting live streams immediately. Emergency this, emergency that. Like, I said, you know, let me, let me, let me take a breather. Let me see what's going on. Let me get the full thing because sometimes we go up and we make misinformation or, or need your reaction. But we, you know, we try to make sure we see before we gather. We, yeah, he just, you know, Mitchell Robinson says he does not. He's not sick. He's not asymptomatic. He goes, "This is BS." You know, he he threw that Snapchat uh, out with him saying this is that was BS. But he but, hey, the test says you're 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 sick, and it's not just you, um, Mitchell Robinson. We want you to get better. There's elderly coaches on your sidelines, trainers. You know, you don't know their their health condition. You don't know where when they go home. Their wives, their children, some of them might have their elderly parents living with them, taking care of them. And you have someone with your, you know, if you have the, the, the illness, they bring it home and you're going to cause pain to those coaches or, or anyone that you come in contact, masseuse or anyone that their parents might be sick. And, you know, you know, and they might not have the, the financial means to, to 
to bury their loved ones. So you know, it goes beyond just yourself and your family. It becomes about everyone around you that you come in contact with, and that's important. That's why you know they want you to do the right precautions and so forth. And we could spend here discussion about the whole COVID um, protocols and vaccinations and all that. But that's another story. That's that's political stuff. We leave that alone. But but if you if your your league is in place, these rules and you come with it, you know what? I, it sucks. We want you on the court. I wish you were on the court. I wish we didn't. Hang, but it is what it is. We have to deal with it, Chef Dan. Most definitely. Those those are rules, and we just got to abide not only for our safety, but for everyone's safety around us. Right, right. With that said, let, what else? I think we're, we covered everything for this podcast this evening, this early evening, or we'll run it on Monday morning. You know, so salute to everyone listening to this podcast um, the third day of January. You know, we recorded it this evening, Thursday, Sunday night. We appreciate everyone listening to us. Um, please like and subscribe. Follow us, you know, at BXJedi76 on Twitter handle. I'm um, Chef Dan. Please give me your Twitter handle again. Let everyone know. Once again, it's at DyingBreed18, D-Y-I-N-G-B-R-E-E-D-18-1-8. Right. And also follow us on Facebook, BX Sports Jedi Network, BX Sports Jedi. And also, um... In Instagram, Return of the Knicks podcast. You find us on Instagram as well there. Anywhere on Spreaker, you know, you find um, a Sports Jedi Network on Speaker and in your audio platform on, on Rumba, BX Sports Jedi Network, Twitch, BX Sports Jedi Network, and Apple Podcasts, the same, Any, you know, everywhere. Or just click on the link or, or follow us there. You know, hit, hit, and it'll take you there. Or LinkedIn, you know, Linktree. Um, if you go to Linktree, we are on Linktree as well. And Linktree... You know, we'll give you all our social media. Everything is all stop place. I loved it. I, I signed up with it. It made it my life easier. I just go to Linktree. It tells you where all our, where you can find all of our situ all our all our programs and every social media platform. You know, from from the from the website all the way to the to the, to all the YouTube. Everywhere you can find our videos. Everywhere you can find our our audio um, podcast, the merchandise store, as well as um, PayPal, Cash App. Uh, and, and all the donations that you give us to our program, we appreciate. And I want to say thank you for all those donors that donate to us uh, every each and every week. Thank you, guys. We appreciate the financial blessings that you give us. We appreciate all the money that you give us. We appreciate it. We re we always reinvest it back in the program and back into us. And, and trust me, we you know this is not easy. The the internet, high speed internet, um, for all of us, you know, it, it helped. Thank you, guys. We appreciate you guys helping us and allow us to be participate with that and we thank you again and, and I pray that you guys get blessed 10,000 pulls back for, for blessing the program so thank you guys so, so from me Chef Dan Chef Dan say us good night close us out so we can say good night here good night everyone um, it's a rough road ahead for the Knicks but we just gotta stay you know stay stay consistent look ahead to see you know it's, it's about you know one foot ahead it's a marathon not a race well said. So, guys, see you next time.